Warning, Game State contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Sorry, didn't mean to frighten anyone. You're a bit late for that. This will be a game night to remember. You'll be the greatest starfighter ever. That was a game, Centauri. A game. You may have thought it was a game, but it was also a test. We don't need a board and we do not need pieces. Oh, it's a murder mystery party. Fun. Fireball, the son of a bitch. Ooh. Hello and welcome to Game State, Rain Man's digital exclusive tabletop gaming show. I'm your host, Snake. And if you are listening live, you can take the show on the go wherever you get your podcasts, if you're listening live, that is. Also, you can access all of our shows on demand via iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Just search Game State. If you want live show notifications, you can now text RMD69 to 50597, and you will receive an SMS text whenever a live RMD show is about to start, along with the link with options to listen live from any mobile device. As I mentioned, my name is Snake. My name is Stone. And I'm a hard place. (laughs) (laughs) And this is Game State. What just happened? I don't know, but I love it. This is great. Charlie's persona is Snake. I did a a role-playing game at one point. It was actually a Spyfall. And And my character was... A stripper DJ, basically. And so I just got to talk like this the entire time. I mean, I guess I could switch to Cade Jackson real quick. great. Yeah? I can, I can do him. You could do a good Cade. Yeah. Hear it. No, I'm not going to. Not going. You, oh. can't, you can't just... Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm, uh, Coming I'm Cade Jackson. Coming to is Alexa. And we're going we're gonna to talk about some games. Give me some love, fellas. I'm a well-known vagabond. <laughs> kind of wander around. Everybody knows about me, though. My name's Cade. Caden. Hey, hey. No, yeah, I'm Caden. I can't hey, be Caden. Hey, yeah. Shut the fuck up, Flab. Do it. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know what that particular reference was, uh, we are currently running an RPG for the Supernatural The Crossroads uh, show with uh, Thomas Cowley, Ryan Denton, and Michael Flores as our players. There. I guess my voice has to be Caden because I can't be Caden because that's just not right. <laughs> I'm the guy that Flab thinks he's following. It's so good for, well, okay, hold on. (laughs) It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, If you are interested in Supernatural at all or you like actual play RPG shows, please, please, please do go check it out because it is, it's, we're having a blast with it. Sam and I are co-writing the story. um, And every now and then we just have fits of deep lore that we just write, 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 write. And it'll probably never come up in the show. Not at all. If you've ever written or planned a story for an RPG, you know that no matter how many details you put into it, the party's going to latch on to something that you didn't even think mattered. Like, they're going to decide that random chick in the street's the most important thing, yep. and you'll have to figure out a way to make her matter. Yep. The, and uh, you're just crying never write inside. too much. Never write too much detail. Oh, I'm sorry, because like, it's pointless. so much fun, And I, I think you can, you can write a lot of background, because you can sprinkle background in, and they'll find it eventually. But I think it's like, it's kind of like how Legos work. You'll never find the Lego piece you need until you don't need it anymore, and then that's all you'll find. It's the same for RPGs. If you write a bunch of shit for the plot, they'll ignore all of it. It's no plan survives contact with the enemy. And with this RPG... Uh, they're the they, enemy. They're the enemy. Yep. <laughs> but it's very good. Uh, episode 3 um, will be recording... Eventually. 
eventually. We can't say soon. It's about a month between sessions, it it seems like. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. quite good. Give it a listen. All that good stuff. Yeah. Some cross promotion. Ugh, it's good. Is it cross promoting if it's just your own thing? Yeah, I guess they're yeah. separate products. It's a different show. Yeah, well, fair. Different logo. Yeah. We're making no, it better. Only but... Game State. <laughs> Nothing else. I got real quiet. <laughs> I, got... <laughs> I have no follow up to that. That's fine because we have news. Uh, we're going to start things off with Hasbro to remove plastic packaging from all toys and games in the near future. What? Yeah. Uh, so this news actually broke out. Like shrink wrap? Uh, entirely. Only... Which is from from packaging specifically. Come with like a lock and a key. <laughs> <laughs> it's all made uh, of glass now. Yeah, this news broke on August twentieth. Here, Hasbro said on Tuesday that it will begin phasing out plastic from new product packaging starting in twenty twenty. That will include window sheets, uh, shrink wrap, elastic bands, and more. Window sheets being the the clear pieces Lamp of acetate last, that you yeah. can see through. Look at this really cool, shittily painted plastic model comes with your game. Look at it, Timmy. Look at it. <laughs> Look at it. Buy me. How are they going to do how are they going to do action figures? I feel uh, like from packaging. Well, so well, just a box. You don't actually see the action figure. You know what I mean? So here's how I Without think they're going to plastic. Do it. I don't understand. No, I think that they're going to replace it with zip ties. Those are plastic. Not, not zip ties, not zip ties. Um wire ties. Plastic. No, they're not. They're, they not can gonna, be coated in plastic. Like the thing that you You can't put tie, bare metal in a child's toy. That you tie your like You'll sandwich be, breads. You'll have your ass up. suit off because little Timmy <laughs> shoved a metal wire tie under his fingernail and is <laughs> bleeding all over the kitchen. Wire ties are everywhere in, pla- in toy packaging now. That's they true. Are, and they're infuriating. I hate them. <laughs> right, but they still exist. What are you on about? <laughs> yeah, but now you have bare metal ones. Guys, we're just going to wrap our toys in celery. And people aren't getting... <laughs> people, and you're going to eat the packaging off of it. Because people don't believe in vaccinations anymore, so little Timmy hasn't had his tetanus shot. Uh... I'm confused. I mean, honestly, good good on you, Hasbro. I'm just I can't picture this. I mean, I guess cardboard. I mean, it's fine. We'll I don't just... think you can sell action figures without being able to see the thing. That's why. That's why. I think that's it's why. Odd. You, that's why you twist tie them into a package with a with a folding open cardboard door. But what about? Okay, does that mean does that, we're all speculating because we got to fill time? So what? Uh, <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> well, so, okay. I, my I, my okay, memory. I'm not <laughs> sad to see shrink wrap go because no, not at all. Like either. you open shrink wrap and like, well, here's this wad of plastic that I guess I'm gonna throw away. Does that mean I can only imagine then that? Uh, Action figures will have less accessories, like little guns and little like extra things, because those only really work if they're all in that clamshell. No, but they can be hidden from. Okay, so what's the headline again? Are they removing just from games from or from everything? From from um, toy and game packaging, uh, according to a statement um, that Hasbro published. Removing plastic from our packaging is the latest advancement in our more than decade-long journey to create a more sustainable future for our business and our world, said Brian Goldner, chairman and CEO of Hasbro. We have experienced cross-functional team in place to manage the complexity of this undertaking, and we'll look to actively engage employees, etc. Yeah, so they already started to eliminate wire ties in apparently 2010. Are they not going to have, like, organizer trays anymore? In like board game boxes? Oh, like the vacuum. Or are they going to be like cardboard? No, no, no. This is just packaging. That's this part is of packaging. It's part of the vacuum box. A vacuum form organizational tray, I would argue, is not it, packaging. 
You're, you're, you're saying you're defining packaging as only what the consumer sees when they're buying it. What they see as that's they're true. buying it and what they're throwing away. Mm, okay, that's is a, the way okay. that I view that. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because there's actually some utility to having like a plastic tray or something. Right. In for, it. For, okay. for me, like um, Via Nebula has a fantastic vacuum form insert. Everything's is... blind bag. Blind bag, board games, <laughs> blind bag, action figures. You're going to buy a Hasbro bag and who knows what you get. Make it Monopoly. You make it Risk. Who knows? You make it. Yeah, no, that's that's a kind of a fun idea. Actually, <laughs> I actually kind of like that blind board game. Oh, I box. got Monopoly blind box again. Board games. Yeah, <laughs> it's one in twenty four chance. You knew the odds; they're printed right on the box. I mean, look, I it's felt not gambling. It. I squeezed, I shook it. Felt like dice were in there. I thought it was Stratego. <laughs> Stratego is the worst game <laughs> is that it? is still somehow available. I've never played it. It's weirdly I've always wanted to, but it's really bad. I had the Lord it's of the Rings good. one. Oh. It's just god awful. Uh, apparently, Stratego. Joe. Joe. Strate- Stratego. Um, Stratego. Legends was a blind, uh, uh, was a customizable version of Stratego. Why am I saying Stratego? Yeah. No. Are you French? Stratego. Stratego. Um, with booster packs. Uh, yes. With different fantasy stuff. Hey, guys. I only have assassins. Oh, okay. That's, what? I don't. There's like an assassin that can kill There's the king, bombs. but like can't kill anything else. It's, he's the spy, and he defeats. I had the bombs. Lord of the Rings one, okay? <laughs> hey, you're right. All right, fair. Uh, Hasbro's toy recycling policy program enables consumers to send well-loved Hasbro toys and games to TerraCycle, a global leader in product recycling, who will recycle them into materials to be used for the construction of our of play spaces, flower pots, park benches, and other innovative uses. So Hasbro's just. Trying to earn green points right now. Green bucks. I mean, that's not a bad thing. It's not, but this isn't an actual business decision. This is a... Oh, sorry. It's not a packaging decision. It's a let's look good decision. Fair. I mean, their stock did raise uh, 14% after the announcement. No, I'm not saying it's bad, but I highly doubt they're doing it because what if we saved on packaging by not doing uh, shrink wrap? I mean, it's shrink wrap. Okay. Have you ever worked in retail? Yeah. Uh, specifically clothing retail? Oh, no. So clothing retail, every single shirt, every single underwear, sock, you know, dress, whatever, comes folded around tissue paper in a plastic bag. That's super wasteful. Every single article of clothing Yikes. that you've purchased comes in that fashion. Okay. So... I mean, Hasbro removing plastic shrink wrap is effectively their version of removing that terrible packaging choice. Mm. I mean, in in why would you shrink wrap something when you can just tape the corners? Yeah. I wonder if like I'm trying to figure out how like you do a, a board game and keep it sealed. Like I'm wondering if they already do it. They you tape the four corners with with the circle tape. Yeah. Or the the paper tape like yeah. um the, a lot of the paper tape, yeah. You know what? You know what really screws all of this up, though, is Amazon has basically like you can return anything policy. A lot of people buy on Amazon. So what happens when a customer says, eh, "There's this tiny, itty bitty little dent on this thing that I got," they return it. Uh, us as a company has to pay them entirely back, right? Pay for the shipping to come back, and then it comes to us on our front door at our own expense. It's just this a tiny game that we can't even really resell or do anything with that has a tiny dent in it. So really. We're just screwed. So the more they take away packaging with that online sales model. Right, because the shrink wrap may protect it from the small, yes, like the little, a little tiny scratch. neck. But you would not. Oh, it's tiny scratch in the snow. My, my copy of Gloomhaven was a return. 
there was nothing wrong with it. I'm not kidding. Like it might have it might have been slight, like a tiny dent in like the bottom corner. That's it, and it returned. Hundred fifty dollar game. Like, like nope. Amazon return. I bought a floor model couch from IKEA. Yeah. For like a quarter of the price because it had a tiny nick on one of the legs that you couldn't actually see. Mm. So I'm sure it's the same fucking thing. Yeah. They need to make a company where all the all of the companies that sell on Amazon can then forward their returns to this other company and it's called Ermazern or whatever. And they can like <laughs> you can buy super cheap stuff for no return. Yeah. <laughs> that was returned on Amazon. That'd be great. Anyways. I'd buy shit from Amazon, as long as like it has like, it's got to have the receipt that says it has to have a receipt. It has to say why. Like if it's missing a part, it needs to say it's missing so and so parts. By the way, Hmm? I'm going to tell you guys some crazy stuff. I think I might have told you this, Andrew. Give me craziness. Um, So, like I said, the company I work for, they do a lot of Amazon sales of board games. Yeah. And when I was when I was at New York headquarters, there were piles, piles. I'm sorry, I didn't grab you any, Sam. Of of um of uh. I can't think of it. Keyforge packs. Just I was oh, like, geez. I was All like, right. why are there so many? Like there were a lot of them. Like what could possibly be wrong with all these Keyforge things? And I'm like, and this was when I was. I've decided I don't want to play Keyforge, but I was still kind of thinking about it. And I'm like, I I took some of the returns, and I noticed every single one of the returns, the little uh, cardboard package was open. This oh is, yeah, this is great. And I was like, why are the people? Oh, because in their infinite wisdom. Uh-huh. All you have to do is open the cardboard plastic, scan it, pull pull the thing out, and you can see every single card in the deck on that no, little if it's card. Good or not. And then you just put it back in and send it back and get all your money back. No yep. shit. Yep. Like you'll actually see that sometimes at stores. Like you'll want to check your boxes because people just like pop that little bottom seal, yep. slide it out, and see. Oh no, don't want this one. Yep. So uh, <laughs> it cost them a lot of money. Also, a thing I learned, um, not nearly as dirty, is the different facilities that are producing it for them. Yeah. Have different boxes, different types of boxes. Or? Yeah, like they're the packaged differently. Like I think the Chinese plant has it open on the bottom, and the German plant opens on the side. Weird, yeah. interesting. Must be just how they're the uh, uh, the die cut for the yeah hang tag. So okay, so well, that's an easy fix though, because on uh, hide the card. <laughs> Don't put that. You have you have to open the card. Flip it. Yeah, done. You're flip done. it. Put blinders on either side. Yeah. Yeah, I, it was it was baffling to me that's that they didn't strange. do that. Yeah, it's been an issue since first wave. Yeah. Weird. Yep. Huh. Piles. Like there's probably eighty decks just like sitting there with the bottom open and nothing else changed. That's real skeevy. Yep. That's real skeevy. Uh, moving on to skeevy. Uh, Stonemeyer's new game Tapestry, which is available for pre-order, as is, in, it's not out yet, people. Which means, which means, how many people played it? Uh, according to Board Game Geek, officially, no one. <laughs> yeah, so nobody's played this game. I was like, I don't know if there's been like review copies, review embargo. There is a review so embargo. Not even reviewers have played this game. Nope. What's it rated at? They right may not now, have buddy? played it, but not it is played. currently rated at a six point. 6.3 with 280 ratings, 226 comments. You're saying that 283 people have reviewed this game? Uh, that is technically what I'm saying. This is what we're leading into here, guys. That's weird. That's kind of strange. <laughs> huh. This whole debacle. Okay, so to give you an idea, um, recently. Why do you ask? Because. Does res- this game have such a bad review if it's not out, guys? That is a good question because people are dicks. I mean, technically, I haven't played it yet, so it's not good. What? I don't know that it's good. 
I am. Nobody's proven to me that's a good game. I'm going to review it. I haven't seen it. It's news to me. It's trash. Truth. Uh, Restoration Games recently posted on Twitter, bringing it to my attention, that Tapestry is being review bombed. Yes, the uh, very popular practice. For uh, movies. For movies on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, Metacritic, um, even more so for on Steam with computer games. Um, people are voting things ones or tens because they either like the idea or they don't like the idea, or they're balancing out the other people voting ones and tens. Yeah, which seems to be what's mainly happening with Tapestry. It is. There's, there's fanboys. They're going to vote ten right away. And there's even if you don't hate Jamie's Tegmar games, there's just people that are like, no, zero until it comes out. You know, or one until it comes out. Um, it just boggles my mind. Bottles it even. Don't. That you can, oh, you know, I'm going to let Charlie say it because he said it during sure. our Sure. I mean, okay, pre, this is really, okay, it's not the people reviewing's fault. It's not Stone Mirror Games' fault. It's probably one goddamn line of code that just says, until the release date hits, you can't review this game. I, I don't understand. Like, and that's to be fair, all it when is. the release date hits, the same thing's probably going to happen. Maybe. But at least you'll know that maybe one or two of these people have played the game at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't even know if actually the same thing would happen. You know what I mean? Like, at least not to this level. People would know it's out. I mean, this is happening because it's happening because it's happening. You know what I mean? Like, it's happening because people can do it. Right. Whether it's in one direction or the other, whether the first 10 reviews are all zeros or the first 10 reviews are all tens, that's why it's happening. If you just can't review it until you can buy it off a shelf, it just probably wouldn't happen. I mean, at least even remotely to this extent. I don't know. Or, I mean, you could... Technically, I think it'd be easier with um, Board Game Geek. It's like, hey, you're submitting a review. It means you have an account with them, right? Yeah. You have to have like a picture of said board game with your account name. Yeah. Fucking Reddit proofed, showing like, here's a sticky with my account name. Here's my copy of the board game. I have this in my possession. My review is now allowed to be yeah. aggregated. Like pre-release dates. I mean, because yeah. I know, I know from experience that uh, BGG does a lot of vetting, probably more than they should, which is why they're always busy. They could easily do that. They yeah. could easily just be like, oh, pre-release date. You got to be vetted to put your review out. Yeah. That's t- perfectly fair. Even if it's a crap review. Even if it's like this game sucks. Here, look, I played it, you know? Well, he actually owns the game, so we'll take the review. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to read a, a few of these here. Um, uh, first up, a ton fur rated the game a one. Ooh. One? What's wrong? Uh, because in all caps... He writes, stop rating pre-production marketing materials a 10. Uh, and okay, the problem so we is... Got, we got a balancer. There you go. Balancer. He's a bouncer. Right. However, right. Ski Freak 737 Ooh. writes immediately underneath <laughs> this, literally the very next review, please don't rate unreleased games a 1, 2, 3, 4, or 5, especially if you haven't played them. 10. 10. <laughs> like, what the... What in the heck... Do people not realize how daft they are? How about you just don't review it if it's not out? If you haven't played it, but don't yeah. goddamn review it. It doesn't it make Am I any missing sense. something, though? Is there, any, is there any reason? Is it just because it's easy? Is there any reason why you should allow that prior? That's, it, I can't really It's fathom. because it could be a hype machine. It could be. I mean, because hypothetically, somebody has actually played a review copy. That's right. true. And has a valid review. That's fair. Yeah. Therefore, but, their outlet should be allowed. Yes, I guess. But review embargoes are are a totally 
I mean, we could do a whole show on on, on the right ethics now. of review and bar, <laughs> right? On the ethics of review and barbers and what that actually means. But so I know back when I was super into computer gaming, uh-huh. like when I knew what a good graphics card was and could tell you immediately if what the problems were. Ray Tracing. Like I was super into this shit. Um, I'm getting a new laptop actually that has like a video card that can do ray tracing. From what I can tell, there's like one game out that it actually does anything for. There's a Minecraft mod that allows you to ray trace across your blocks. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember back when like um, PC Gamer Magazine was super big. There would be mentioned in the review, they'd start with, so we never received a review copy of this game. This game's already out. Here's our review of it. And usually those games were bad. Like, if you weren't letting people review your game beforehand, you were fucking hiding something. Yep. And I think that kind of applies to movies, too. Movies. Oh, wow. They're not letting reviewers see this. Hmm. That's not promising. So now that board games are doing it? Oh, that might not be a good sign. Mm. My biggest problem with review embargoes as a practice is you are preventing a consumer from making an educated decision. And directly tying into what you said, that might be because you know the game is terrible. Or it might be because there are hidden story mechanics Mm -hmm. or something interesting that you don't want to be spoiled. Or there could be some badass new game system in there. Yeah. Yeah. For me... Do you know, I mean, this is kind of a stretch, but do you guys know if... Stonemaier Games has a history of review embargoes. Obviously, everyone loves Wingspan. Did it have one? I'm not sure. Wingspan did not have a review embargo. I think that this is their first. Mm. So it's Let just me take a little a suspicious then. Potentially, it could be. Who knows? Let me do a look. I mean, it doesn't mean a bad thing. Just the history sure. of things that are review embargoed usually aren't good. It's a suspicious, yeah. It's a suspicious practice. I don't know if I've ever seen anything that's had one that's turned out to be amazing because of yeah. it. Um it's believe, very rare that it's like, we can't show this to the general public yet because there's something so cool in it. Yeah. Okay, what's the so cool something? Just get that hype out there. Go. Yeah. So Jamie Stegmeyer wrote in his uh, Stonemeyer blog, I spent the past weekend at an out-of-town wedding in rural Virginia. Oh, okay, hold on. Let's actually get Let's to get the, the yeah. potatoes here. Um, he wrote this specifically in response to the... the so he's saying, I was out of town. I haven't responded yet because I was gone. Correct. Yeah. Um, our last seven product releases... We've implemented an embargo date for the advanced copies we send to reviewers. The reason is we do not want to rush reviewers. We want them to have ample time to play the game, evaluate it, and compose their thoughts so that reviews can best serve potential customers. Without an embargo date, reviewers can feel pressure to be the first to release the review. And that That's I totally fair. That's fair. Agree. I understand. That's fair. So be like, yeah, cool. Here's the games. Don't release the thing for like a week. That way you can all fucking play it. But as far as I know, that that review embargo date, I could be wrong, isn't Usually release prior day. To release day. Yeah, yeah, it's not like release day. Usually it's it's just before. Yeah. In some rare instances, video games um, specifically, it is day of release. Mm. Um, you see that a lot with like a lot of the yearly releases from EA and, and things okay. of that sort. Hey, look, guys, it's NBA ball 1700. <laughs> with Nothing actual- changed. Except actual slot machines. But don't worry, it's not gambling. But glitchier. <laughs> so fucking awful. One thing that, just a little bit of a tangent there, I want to see Magic the Gathering be brought back into that conversation. Because when Magic came up, booster packs were a huge deal. It was brought under fire for gambling marketing toward kids. I want to see how they... Somebody, some executive was talking about how, how is our shit different from the blind bag collectibles? Yeah. 
it's like a super valid point. Why yeah. is why is video games? It's because little Timmy with his mom's credit card bought seventeen thousand upgrade packs. Yeah, mm. it's too mad. accessible. Yeah, too yeah. accessible. Agreed. Um, okay, so the dates that I've chosen uh, to end all to end the embargo for all of those seven products is the day that our direct pre order begins. Okay, so, so they're doing it the ethical way. I think. I want somebody to be able to watch a review, decide that they want the product, and instantly be able to order that product. There's no risk of them forgetting. Uh, I mean, you you could just do it the week before the pre-order. I'm just saying. It's not release date, though. That's true. So this is still fair. Fair, That's fair. The game's still not available. You can get your pre-order in later. Well, uh, with their print runs. Yeah. You have have one day with his print runs to do it. That's why I'm kind of like, you could do it a week before, but... yeah. I don't know. Board Game Geek, uh, I think, seems to be addressing this. Um, is in the review page for Tapestry. A lot of the reviews actually have the numbers removed, which is interesting to me. Well, I mean, Board Game Geek has to do something because they're trying to be viewed as a legitimate aggregate review site. Yeah. And if reviews aren't accurate, then they lose their standing. Like, I, just I can no yeah. longer trust a board game geek review number. Why am I ever going to go there? It just seems silly, like, t- to, like, whack-a-mole instead of just saying, okay, we're just going to lock reviews on this game until release. You know what I mean? It just, it's like, what? Like, one seems way easier than the yeah. other. I don't know. And more ethical because then it's like, well, why is his 10 still there but my zero isn't? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's a mess. But, I mean, that's always probably going to be an issue with crowd reviews. Welcome to Game State Complaints. Everybody's, not really Everybody's turning into in. Sam. It's a critical analysis of the current state of the industry. Right? It's not really a complaint. Guys, what's, what else is bullshit that we can talk about? You know about? what else is bullshit? <laughs> I just want to read a few more of these of these reviews on this game here. Just because okay. they're... Just you know what else is bullshit? These goddamn new coffee couplets. Are we going to talk about... We'll I talk w- about those in a minute. Because I actually... <laughs> I actually do kind of want to discuss that a little bit. Like right. uh, Donnell twenty one states that uh, in his review of a one, I'm tired of the ten votes before a game is released. Counteract will remove when the game comes out. Although given the steep cost due to overproduced minis, it will probably not be a good rating. How would you fucking know that? <laughs> okay, if he actually removes his review, I'll give him a kudo. I'll give him a kudo. But yes. stop it, right? It's redeemable for nothing because kudos are dead in an old meme that no longer checks out. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Uh, Carl Lampuer rates it a 10. Let's find out why. I'm only rating commenting because Chesick voted a one. (laughs) (laughs) This goes on for about 87 pages. There, she clearly works for another company in, uh, parentheticals. Not really, but that's her, that's exactly her stupid reason to vet one. Okay. (laughs) Just insane. This is bizarre. And then, like, Ryan Davis, his rating is gone, but he writes an actual rating based on first play. What is that removed rating? Who knows? Yeah. So here's what we're trying to so say, So they guys. remove the one that claims to be from a first play, but they're leaving the ones that are just arguing against the ones and tens. The Great Ham L rates it a 10, posting a 10 to counter the fools, posting ones for no reason. The... This is beautiful. This is... This, you know what? I'll tell you about This makes me very happy. This is the most <laughs> This should continue. Death. Thing that I have ever seen. Sam just loves to like bathe in the blood of chaos. Just loves the Dude, sanity. <laughs> the wreck 
The Wreck votes a one. Anyone else tired of anti-consumer business practices? Jamie Meltdowns on Business and Drama uh, have not played, but did pre-order. <laughs> Wayne's votes at a one just to balance the tens. <sighs> the ineptitude. And just how do you really think? I will say this. I mean, it's probably getting him more um, more eyes on the project than it normally would yeah. because of this. The thing is, I don't know how their algorithm works. If these people don't go back and change their ones, assuming that some of them said they would. They will stay there forever. And I mean, it's a big uphill battle. For every one that you get, you have to have like twenty tens mm-hmm. to even move up an even modicum of yeah. So it is. I mean, it's pretty brutal. Um, so I don't know. Pick, it's a it's a bad time. Yeah. Pick boy eighty seven rates at a one. I literally have no say in this. I just wanted to join the cool kids. <laughs> I'm on board with Pick boy. <laughs> there are over three hundred uh, comments on the or two hundred sixty comments. On this here, 226 comments. It's just, it, people are dumb. People are dumb. Oh, yeah, it's a game, by the way. About it's a game. It's building. coming out um, like next month or something. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, we're going to move on to some fun reprint news. Relic, the Warhammer uh, 40,000 reskin. Talisman's uh, bad. Relic's bad. <laughs> don't play them. Is now available from WizKids. I saw there's like a, a limited super edition where like the the, the busts are painted. Oh, they interesting. had them at IO. Like there's a sticker, but it didn't like show painted busts. So uh-huh. I, I don't know like if you can like redeem it and get them sent to you or if the box actually has it. But I'm like that's kind of cool, I guess. I mean it's gonna be generic Chinese factory paint job, but eh. the premium edition does come with painted models. Currently available for pre order on Amazon. For $120. Okay, so the sticker is probably just, hey, go buy the better one that yeah. you didn't get here. And it looks like the production models here uh, look like standard WizKids pre-painted stuff, which is okay. not... Absolute trash. Correct. Not trash. Not good. <sighs> no, it's standard pre-printed, or pre-painted stuff. <sighs> the classic game in a new form, Relic, the sci-fi... Epic adventure around the Antian sector is now available from WizKids. What is different about the WizKids version, you ask? The busts for the figures have been improved. There's also upgraded punch board and scenario cards. You want to get a little extra? There's a deluxe edition where, of course, the busts are pre-painted for your convenience. Get your copy now. I'm just going to say this. Unless you have the expansion, let's players also be bad guys. Unless you fight the other players, don't buy this. WizKids taking over production of a product that was once Fantasy Flight has not ever turned out to be a good thing. Um, Are we going to get a reprint of the the Dracula game? uh, Fury of Dracula? Yeah, that game was cool. I think that has already been released. I think WizKids has the GW license. Also be real cool if WizKids would reprint um, Forbidden Stars and get an expansion out for it. Uh, there's actually some news with that. Um, Forbidden Stars, the original designer, is reskinning it and pitching it to other production companies. Good. In case you're not aware, Forbidden Stars was a super cool 40k 4x game. That was like a quicker. It's in the same genre as what Eclipse and. Uh, it's a 4x game. Yeah. Um, and the the giant takes all day to play its space game. Um, Twilight Imperium. Yeah, it's it's that genre. It plays in hour to two hours. 
Uh, yeah, it looks like the WizKids version of Fury of Dracula was released immediately after the split in January oh. of 2019. Didn't realize it was in print. Okay. WizKids states in their press release, WizKids is excited to announce the newest edition of the iconic Warhammer 40,000 game. Relic is now available. Didn't even say, hey, pre-order. Just, it's here now. It's out. They're probably trying to rush everything back into print. They're like, oh, shit, this stuff isn't available. Make it available! Truly. Um, yeah, the new WizKids edition features improved and expanded highly detailed busts of, uh, of 10 available player characters, as well as upgraded punchboard tokens and scenario cards. What's really interesting, I think, is they're using the existing art assets. Are they selling Talisman, too? Because that's still FFG, right? Ooh, that's a good question. Talisman uh, is an FFG, uh, was an FFG game licensed to FFG by Games Workshop. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. It was... Even the base game? Yep. Oh. Okay, so never mind. Yeah, then that would be Wizards 2. I thought Talisman was an FFG game. No. No, Talisman. um, Yeah, straight up Games Workshop. Gotcha. Uh, It looks like... Because Fury of Dracula is GW too, right? Fury of Dracula was GW as well. Um, Wiz Wars. In case you're not aware, Games Workshop has a game... About you are vampire hunters chasing Dracula across the European countryside. It's quite good. There's no space marines. There's no fantasy. It's just chasing Dracula across the countryside, hoping you don't die. It's freaking rad, dude. Yeah, it's real good. Um, let's see here. I think that's all of the news that we got here. We're gonna take a quick break, and we will be right back. Denied. The Rain Man Show. The Rain Man Show entertaining you know like oh a guy God. gets a horse what are you about tony a guy being yeah, no, dragged a guy gets by a horse. rope no, 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 by no, no, a not white drag a, not drag a black guy being pulled no not okay. pulled this is this is <laughs> a black guy tied by rope yes Go being ahead. led by a horse and a white man on that horse with a cowboy hat. I think it it's not been, entertaining. No, I think it would have been. Less we are making it entertaining. It, it would have been less offensive if the uh, black individual was on a horse and riding side by side. You can say so man, like, that's not the problem. No, term no, no here. you know, like they'll be riding side by side, like what did he say? Ranger black Tonto. individual. <laughs> you want him to be a black Tonto? No, no he like, just side by to the side, Ranger. side by side with the guy. You know, side by side, equal. This you know, is arm in arm. You know, like brothers. Oh my God. This t- Thomas, perfect example of a racist because he <laughs> thinks he's fixing it. Yes, no, no, it's saying, okay. By uh, making him uh, like, listen, no, let's make it better. We'll put him on a horse, and he'll be a sidekick to a white yeah. man. <laughs> Still not equal. Can I hear it? For more Are you delirious? You know how long it took to invent the games, to merchandise them, to get them into the stores by Christmas? We are back. We crossed the River Thames. Uh, we chased a Dracula. Chased a Dracula. Put on our boogie shoes. Boogie shoes? I, I don't know. I was. I, you left me hanging there. So. <laughs> and we were staring at you expectantly. So, I mean, I guess we got what we expected. Where's Charlie going to go with this one? Boogie shoes. Okay, well, maybe let's reel that back right. a little bit. <laughs> so you know what else has boogie shoes? Nothing I played recently. <laughs> um. <laughs> the new disco miniatures game. I mean, we had the the Kenny Loggins. All right, we need, the- we need a crappy Target game uh-huh. based on, was it Friday Night Fever or whatever? 
Oh, Saturday Night Friday, Fever. Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, yeah. yeah that. Well, okay. they did the, the Kenny G game. Yeah, that's right. We talked about that, I believe. Yeah. Keeping it sexy. Keeping it sexy. I every now and then I see that that game is on end caps right now at Target, and every time I look at it, I'm just I'm, big G creative. Am I man. the only person who goes into a Target and just feels depressed? Yeah, no, I'm sorry. They, to go they into feel a like Target. they're trying too hard now. It's one company because they're like the bougier Walmart, and they yeah. just feel hollow and dead inside, like bougie people. It is, it is sterile, I guess. Yeah, I mean Walmart's sterile as well, although they try to inject. Walmart like feels a, dirty. It Which does. makes it feel more natural. <laughs> you know what? I want to feel the grime under my fingernails. Sam, you're right. You yeah. are absolutely right on that. Walmart or Target feels like a facade. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. We're going to continue the game's workshop. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Portion um, of the show. Take it away, guys. So, I've been playing uh, a bit of Warcry. And what Warcry, is Warcry, Sam? So, Warcry is. Good. That sounds real. Yeah. Fun. No, I'm trying. I was going to do like a halfway Interesting. point, Say but more. it's not a halfway point. So Warhammer Underworlds is kind of their their board game miniatures halfway point. Warcry is more of like a first step into miniatures, I guess. Like, there's really no board game left. Uh-huh. It's a pure miniatures game, but it's very small scale. We're talking um, squads of maybe ten models. Yeah, maybe ten. Maybe. Um, basically, the the fluff for Warcry is it's in the Age of Sigmar universe. And it's set in one of the, the shitty realms of chaos. And it's all these little tribes of um, chaos worshippers trying to earn the attention of Archeon, who's basically the mortal-ish leader of the chaos armies. He's the, he was the BBE that yeah. um, he brought about the end times, didn't he? Yes. And the chaos gods try to tell him what to do, and he laughs them and says, I'm going to do what I want. And they're like, well, all right, sure. So and he's important. the game imploded. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in the current setting, he literally they do what he tells them to do because they can't control them anymore. Yeah. Um, his horse from the end times ate all the demon champions sent to stop him. Neat. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're these, you're these nobody tribes of feral humans trying to earn his attention and you're finding the other tribes trying to be cool. And like, eh, we killed a bunch of the other people. Did you notice us yet? It's, it's notice me senpai, the gritty version. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's small scale. Um, the way the game's set up is you technically don't need the starter box. The starter box comes with um, two teams, a bunch of terrain, all the cards for randomizing the missions, uh, tokens and stuff, and then there's a bunch of other teams you can buy. Um, you have kind of like beast iron people. You have guys load up in armor. Uh, you have like crow-themed assassins. You have a snake-themed faction that uses poison. All sorts of different stuff. And it's designed so that you can buy, if you know somebody with the core game, you can buy like one box. It's like 50 bucks it has an entire team in it. You're good to go. Uh, you do have to assemble them. You do have to paint them. Um, they're not easy to build snap fit models. Like they're, they're pretty in-depth. Yeah. So it's not a my first minis game. That's no. that's Underworld, Shadespire, that kind of thing. That's where you want to go for that. Um, as far as the game goes... Uh, you have a thousand points to build your your army with. Technically, each box is enough. You can buy multiple boxes. Like if you want to run a boatload of shitty dudes, you can buy more boxes to do that. But you don't really need to. Each box is fairly balanced. Um, one thing to note also is you can use existing models. Yeah, um, with there's, the game as well, right? There's there's cards released for uh, flesh eater courts, which are like ghouls. 
um, the two orc factions, the ghost faction, and the stormcast, which are like the super heavy armored good guy faction. So if you have that from like Shadespire, or if you have it from Age of Sigmar, you can bring your models over and play this game too. Uh, the way the game works, it's a similar mechanic as far as the dice go to Age of Sigmar, but they leave a couple things out. Um, you have a movement stat, which is how far you can move in inches. You have an attack stat, which is how many dice you roll to attack. And then you have a strength. Um, and your target number for hitting and wounding is is your strength the same as the enemy's toughness. You need fours. Are you stronger? You need threes or better. Are you weaker? You need fives or better. There's only that one roll. There's not to hit and then to wound. There's no armor save. It's just, did I hit you? Cool. Take the damage from my weapon. Now, that type of damage allocation or n- n- target it number. It varies a bit. You'll have two damage stats. If you get a normal hit, you'll get the first number. If you roll a six to hit, you get the, the critical damage. It's a super simplified version of the, the, the hit tables for 40K, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it doesn't go down as far. Like, you can't wound on twos. Mm-hmm. Um, which makes it so you can't just, like, one-shot people quite as effectively. Uh, the crits tend to be a little swingy. Like, you might have open that's, like, one damage, but if it crits, it does four, um, stuff like that. Generally, those models don't have as many attacks. Um, but the... It's a fine combat mechanic. It's not that different from their other games if you've played them. It works. The cool part about the the game, in my opinion, is the way turn order and special abilities work. Yes. So each faction will have this uh, their own card with special abilities that the different models in the faction can do. Um, and they will... Backtrack a little bit. At the start of each turn, you're going to roll six dice. You look at the dice you've rolled. You count up how many singles. Like if I rolled and I got a two, a three, two fours, and two fives, I had a two and a three as singles. Whoever has the most single sets of dice wins initiative. They get to go first. Your doubles and your triples... You bank those and spend them for abilities in the game. So you might not go first, but you might have gotten four of a kind to be able to do, like, the super ability for your faction that turn. Um, which is, I like that a lot. Because it's it gives really... your, your special abilities a resource each turn that varies. Um, you might not get any doubles, but you might get a go first, which is also important. Like, going first matters. If you can just kill a man before he does his super mega ability, super mega ability doesn't matter anymore. Um, I, I like it a lot. That's the, the, It's the sexiest part of the game. Mm-hmm. At the same time, though, it also ties into part of why I don't really like the game that much. Like, I love the game. It's cool. It's fun. But they're trying to make it a competitive game, and I don't think it can be. The demo that you had run me through, mm-hmm. um, I forget the factions. I think I was playing the Iron Golems, I think. Um, and, and the game itself, like, it went from I'm doing really, really well yeah. To I have lost. There's there is a lot of random in the game yes. because the way the game works, you take your team, you split them into three little sub teams. You'll have a hammer, a sword, and a shield. And what that matters for is after you've done that, then you set up the board. You the the board deployment is random. There's a little stack of cards that has the terrain from the box in different deployments. You'll draw one. That'll be your setup. You will have a mission that is random. You will have a condition for the battle that is random, like it might be raining or whatever, and you'll have a twist that's also random. So there are four four aspects that go into setting up a game. Yeah, right? there's like 
a million some combinations. You will never play the same yeah. game twice. They, they do recommend for if you're doing it competitively, there are symmetrical missions and non-symmetrical. They say if you get non-symmetrical, don't play it for competitive. Makes sense. Which is fair. Like there are some where a fast faction can just win on turn one if they're playing as a slow faction. Um, if it's non-symmetrical, mm-hmm. but man, but that's kind of my problem. Like I love that you'll never play the same game again. It's great. Like you have to split your team up before you know where they can deploy. It's cool. Which that interesting. There's a little bit of a double blind deployment thing that you actually don't see in a lot of modern war gaming. A double blind deployment is, I set my stuff up, you set your stuff up. We don't see what other people yeah. are doing. And it's it's kind of like that. Like you still know what their setups are, and once you know what the deployment type is, you'll know where stuff's going to go. But you're trying to make a balanced setup without knowing where your people are going to start on the board, which is cool. Um, but you have you have random missions. Initiative is random. And the resource you have for doing your abilities is random. And the dice with the crits are also kind of really random. Like, if your opponent rolls a lot of sixes for damage, you're just going to get wiped super fast. Yep. Um, it's great beer and pretzels. I, I don't think it can be competitive. It's just too goddamn swingy to be competitive. I wonder if if this is GW's answer to having to re- redo the entire rule set for Age of Sigmar. Because it kind of feels like that. I don't think. I don't think it's a test bed for Sigmar. Um, I don't think this rule set. Maybe the the slimmed down combat stats might work for like epic Sigmar because uh-huh. they released um, Armageddon for forty k, which is a a mass like mass mass battles, like an average game of forty k is two thousand points. Apocalypse is designed for like. 8,000 plus, mm-hmm. and it's a very streamlined combat system. I could see them maybe trying to repackage Warcry, the combat stats at least, as a here's how to play massive games of Sigmar. Oh, that'd be interesting. But I don't think I don't think it would work for a bigger game. So Warcry is also being called the kill team of Sigmar. Sort of. Um, so kill team came out for um, 40k, but kill team was basically just take five 40k models and here's a little bit more in-depth cover system go mm-hmm. um war cry is a very different system completely so part of the so, crux for for kill team is it was it was basically 40k light at least second edition kill team was i don't know about about first edition kill team but it was kill team light um there was a limited campaign support in Kill Team that a lot of people kind of had some fun with, but it seems like the campaign system for Warcry is miles above that. Yeah, and they're releasing like a new expansion for Warcry, like already. It's up for pre-order, oh, really? I think, this week. Eh, I just timed this episode. Um, <laughs> but like it adds monsters that you can add to your, like you can add hydras and crap to your... Untamed beasts. Yeah, but I you think. can only add them in, in campaign play if your warband manages to bring them down. So, like, you'll have a mission of just trying to take down a hydra or just trying to take down a chimera. Oh, which, interesting. Yeah, so, like, you can't just bring them to a tournament. It's designed explicitly for campaign play, which is cool. Um, I would love to do a Warcry campaign over a Warcry tournament any day of the week. So, I guess I'm reviewing it well, but saying don't think it's a competitive game. Or at least not currently. They it might be able need- to make it be one, but no. It doesn't need to be competitive. No, it doesn't. I think um, that's kind of a big thing with um, American... Um, I think it's the big divide between American and European miniatures gamers. There's always something that Americans are all about 
rules is written, not intent, and Europeans get the intent thing. I think it's less that and more that Americans want every game to be a competitive game. We don't want to just sit down and play a, a fun game with our friends. We want to crush our opponent, and if we don't win, the game wasn't fun. I think there's kind of a, a divide there. That definitely tracks. Yeah. Charlie. Yo. If Charlie's Charlie's uh, been doing what I did the last uh, episode we recorded just staring at my Oh, we're talking about miniatures. Okay. <laughs> I mean kinda. Yeah, that's yeah. that's basically the divide there for sure. What do you got for me? Um I don't know. I guess if if you're going to get into a, a miniatures game, would you want it to be competitive or casual? Hmm. Competitive or casual. Okay, so you actually played my first, I guess, miniatures game with you. Did that we? was the we are gonna talk about the uh, um Oh that's right, game I forgot. Yeah. Game of Thrones one. Yeah, I forgot. I ran you through Song of Ice and, and I, Fire. And I, and I consider it to be an actual one compared to anything else I've played or more board gamey with little miniature guys because, uh-huh. you know, we had rulers. You know, we were like, you know. It, it is definitely a miniature game. Okay. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, so the question again was do I want it to be competitive or do I want it to be casual? Is that what yeah. you're saying? Like if, if you're you getting into casual, a miniature game. If you're getting into a miniatures game for the first time, do you want it to be like, I will eventually be playing tournaments of this, or I want people to come over and we're going to drink a few beers, have some pretzels? I mean, maybe it's just a bias, but I don't, I don't, I don't equate it to be a beer and pretzels game. I mean, maybe they exist. I can, I'm overhearing you guys talk about that, a game in that term, but for the most part, I assume like I'm going into deep waters if I'm going to play a miniatures game, which isn't a bad thing. I just, I just, well, that's the assumption, you know? Does kind of supporting sense? my statement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really have a, you know, any two ways about it. I actually was kind of surprised at how approachable that, um, was it Song of Fire and Ice? Song of Ice and Fire. Ice and Fire, yeah. Um, I thought it was pretty approachable overall. I thought it was, a, I will say this, and without going too deep in just that game alone. You can I, go deep, because hang on, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. Sure. Warcry's cool. If you want a fairly cheap miniatures game to get into, and you know a friend who has a starter set, Buy a team. It's solid. Um, the star set's like 180 bucks, but it has like $300 worth of stuff in it. So yes. it's actually a solid deal, too. It's a GW boxed yeah. set. Usually their their compendium box sets are, are incredible yeah. values. It's fun. Um, we'll play again. Well, I would recommend it, yeah. But now Song of Ice and Fire. But before we do that, Charlie we have about, a minis game. <laughs> we have about five minutes sure. before God we have damn to. It. I know, I know. <laughs> I've been wanting to talk about Ice and Fire for quite some time. We'll do a a whole deep dive into it a little bit later. But Charlie, yes, you played Song of Ice and Fire. Yes. I ran you through a demo. You played, I think you played Lannisters. No, you played Lannisters. I played Lannisters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You played Starks. Yeah. Um, what did you think? Um, I mean, overall, I liked it. I was excited because I'd never seen a, I mean, I'd seen miniatures games played. God knows if you guys play them all the time, but yeah. I'd never seen one where there's like, you know, like, a grid of dudes in like a really i've never seen that before and i was like that's pretty cool so and then when i did it i was like this is awkward like moving that plate of dudes around i gotta be honest like thinking back to it i'm like eh, i kind of wish i was just a single dude because it just it was so weird at turning it and then pushing it and then i'm like oh well my thing is now squaring up i mean i see kind of how they so charlie would not have liked old hammer or Ninth Age, or yeah. any Napoleonic yeah. system. So the grid, the rank and file. It, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, like, in in theory, it looked and sounded cool, but when I actually did it, I thought it was very awkward, and I didn't like it. So, I will say that the Song of Ice and Fire rule set, while being very accessible, extremely accessible, it was, I mean, uh, yeah. designed by, or at least lead designed by Eric Lang. Um, it was the game that got him to be full-time on with yeah. Cool Minion or not, right? Um 
it, it it is a board game with miniatures without the board game. Yeah, is a, is a weird way of saying. I kind of see what you mean. Um, and but, then the fact that they do that with these weird kind of awkward big rectangles. Yeah, was so rank and file is. is traditional war game if you go hey i'm a miniatures gamer you started with rank and file right the classic warhammer fantasy uh is rank and file you had bricks of like 30 dudes running in did you pluck them off one at a time yes you did okay Uh, depending on uh, sort of a similar rule system wound system there um classical napoleonic uh stuff was rank and file i even think that there was a rank and file rule set for tiny wars written by hg wells which was one of the first um, actual rule sets for a war game. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess I don't, I don't want to compare them if they're not comparable. But having played a lot of Gloomhaven now, sure. I could say like, you know what? I would happily do this with a measuring tape. Is, you know, dude, I'm yeah. trying to say like that. I'm like, I think I'd be happier with that than blocks. Is all I'm saying. Fair. You know? So individual. We got to get you to play Frostgrave. Frostgrave Second okay. Edition coming out July 2020. Oh shit. Uh, yeah. I'm excited for that one. So, Ice and Fire. So, it, it's a good, just like, I liked it if overall. I say, hey, come over, let's play some games, you would not be opposed. No, I'd play it again, for sure. Cool. Awesome. I like that a lot. We I will, like Ice and Fire quite a bit. We will actually review it. We will. You just want to commit to the next episode, we'll do it. Is uh, Throne of Eldraine going to be out before then? Because we got to make way to decide if we're doing Ice That's and Fire. That's not a standard episode, doesn't count. It'll be a special episode? It'll be a special episode. All right, fair. We'll do a special episode of Throne of Eldraine, the new Magic of the Gathering set. The next we'll... standard episode, we will talk about Song of Ice and Fire. That means you have to buy your free folk starter set. You got to do it. I don't have to. Yes, you do. No, I don't. got it. I don't have to. I've been trying. So the way that I got into Ice and Fire was I got the core box for a stupidly good deal. Like what? 25 bucks or $20 flat. Yeah, it's like 100 It was a $150 MSRP. Yeah. Um, two weeks before, there was a tournament at a local game store here, Imperial Outpost. So I bought the core set, bought a whole bunch of unit boxes, and I'm like, I'm going to go compete. Uh, and I didn't come in last. Well, so there's that. But Sam has been talking about for quite a while getting the uh, the free folk starter set um, to play giants. with the Giants. Also, what's your face, the redhead? Egret. Egret. Yeah. Yeah. Hokey. Anyway, we'll deep dive into okay. it after Sam gets his his core set uh, for the free folk. Yeah. That was, uh, hey, we should have our uh, strip club DJ. Hey, thanks for joining us tonight. It's closing time. <laughs> Settle up those bar tabs. We'll see you next week. Next week? We're weekly now? It's fine. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Fireball, the son of a bitch.